So uh, we are in a series called Living Proof. Living Proof, and we're walking through the book of Philippians. And uh, it's a nine-week series, in fact, and we're a couple weeks in, right? And so just a reminder of where we've been. So the first week, he started out with Live Thankfully. Uh, that was the first half of chapter one. Live thankfully. Remember, Paul says, I thank my God in every remembrance of you, right? It's always upon every remembrance. It doesn't mean they always got it right. It meant that he always saw God at work in them and them reconciling and working it out. And God was showing himself big. Okay. And in every situation, live thankfully, not when it's perfect, live thankfully, but live thankfully. Huge call. Uh, the next call, live purposefully, live with purpose. And remember, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Uh, no better T-shirt than that, right? If you're going to put something on there and live for something, that's my, my life statement is to live is my Lord exalted, Christ. And to die is gain. I'm spending eternity with him. Uh, that's what it looks like to live with purpose every single moment of every single day always being considering him in charge all right and then last week we looked at living in unity uh, he said have this mind that is in christ and that he humbled himself and he let god exalt him in the right time humble yourself and let god exalt you in the right time all too often we run around trying to make it about us and when we make much of us, we quite frankly make less of Christ and we steal something away. Make less of yourself and more of him in everything you do. And, and when we talk about unity as a body, my word, if you start doing these things, right? If we decide that's it, we're going to live thankfully and we're going to live purposefully for him. And we're going to live humbly and let our God have his way. And can you imagine the unity that comes into a body doing that? That's where we've been so far as we've reflected on the greatness of Christ. And now we just came through the sacrifice and exaltation of Christ last week. I thought we reflected on that well here this morning with communion. So we'll just jump right in. Today's challenge is to live as a light. I'm just going to do this. Sometimes we often we don't do this, but there is a main verse we have to grab in here for big idea. And it's going to bleed through everything. So let's just jump to that. You're going to see it middle of that second paragraph where he starts talking about being a light. He says, shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. And he says right before it, this world is crooked and twisted, but shine as lights. That's the challenge today, to be a light, to live as a light in a dark world, to reflect the God that you know, maybe like you never have before. And I'm not sure how I know to do that, Tim. What's it look like? Glad you asked. That's why we're going through Philippians 2, 12 to 18. So everybody grab your Bibles. Let's turn to Philippians 2, 12. We're going to have the ushers coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, all right? Just keep your hand raised. They'll get a Bible to you. Philippians 2, 12 through 18. First point, be a light by being blameless in action. Be a light by being blameless in action. Uh, our activities, our actions, the things we get involved in, make a statement. So be careful and choose wisely that your God might be honored. 
All right, so let's just walk it through verse 12 where he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. All right, let's break it down. Therefore, Thank you. When we see the therefore, we say, what's the therefore? Therefore, it's a connecting word. It says something happened before it that matters. You guys are getting pretty good on that uptake, by the way. That was good. Uh, what's going on before? And so what do we do now? And, and what's going on before? Well, we just reflected on it all morning long. The sacrifice of Christ and the future exaltation of Christ and a communion we can have with him for eternity because of how awesome he is. That's what was going on. Therefore... My beloved, like, I love you guys. That's what Paul's saying, right? I love you. And uh, he's echoing the heart of a pastor as he longs for his people. And uh, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation. I can tell you this, working uh, here and working with you guys regularly, being able to hurt with you when you hurt and uh, laugh with you when you laugh and celebrate God moving in your life as he moves. Uh, there's no greater joy than that. And being able to share this phrase, my beloved, just being able to say, I love you guys. And, and I want the best for you guys coming straight out of scripture. I'm telling you, God loves you. I love you. This is where we need to be headed. I love you guys. Let's be going in this direction. It's the best thing for all of us. Let's head this direction. I couldn't see a clearer point. That's Paul's point. That's our point. Lord, we hear you. What do you want us to do? Now, I love Paul's statement here. He says, now you have always obeyed. Wow. So this group responded well. And then when Paul challenged, they listened And they came along quickly in their belief and their actions followed. And when Paul said, this is what it looks like, they're like, got it. And they did that. Okay. It wasn't, oh, that's what it looks like. Well, maybe I'll try to do that with a little nuance and see what that looks like. He's like, no, I'm telling you, this is what it looks like. And they always obeyed. Okay. A beautiful statement uh, of how much they grasped who Christ was initially. Notice Paul's statement now. Please. In my absence, do the same. Uh, so for those of you who are parents or who have ever babysat, right? There's two kinds of kids in the world. And okay, there's a million types, but, but let's be honest. It all distills down to two. The kind where when you say, here's the line, they go, that's the line? Yeah. I am far away from that. I will not cross that line. And, and you'll hear this child often saying words like, I'm doing good, aren't I, mommy? Right? And they're, they're like, Seriously? I've heard the rules and I'm obeying with everything. And, uh, and then there's the other child, right? And you're like, here's the line. And they're like, that line? Yeah. You don't want me to cross that line, right? I mean like that? You don't want me to do that. Is that what you're saying? Not like that? And what about that? Or even that? Right. And you have to walk through with them what it means to have an obedient heart and a willing heart and to be responding to. Right. And Paul's like, please be child number one. 
That's what he's saying. Can you do me a favor as I've now taught you and been with you and been able to be in your presence and go, ah, 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 ah. we're not doing that. We're not doing that, guys. We're going over here. Okay, we'll go over there. And then they do it. He's like, what happens when I'm not there? Please follow through. Okay, that's what's happening. It's just a real simple challenge that all of us can smile at because we know exactly who we're talking about. Right? And, uh, and so Paul's statement here is, uh, please, even in my absence now, uh, work out your, sel- your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation. And we got to be careful with this phrase, all right? And so we're going to have to really uh, walk this through carefully. Um, have you ever noticed that when we hear the word salvation and works or salvation and faith, the first thing our mind thinks of is how do we get salvation? Have you noticed that? And so our mind always kind of quick runs ahead. And so we start reading things through that paradigm and we often don't even let the passage begin to speak or share. We're like, I, I know those three words. I'm done. And this is how you get it. And, and that is not the point of this passage. This isn't talking about how to get salvation. We have to be really careful with it. It says work out your salvation. It does not say work for your salvation. It's a very different preposition. Work it out. Okay, and so one thing you're going to notice is this passage actually is going to delineate uh, two very distinct roles, one of the man and their responsibility and one of God almighty and what he's doing. All right. And you've heard us say this a lot when we talk about salvation, for example, and we say there are two things that must be true in your solution to salvation. Biblically, you must have the sovereign God of the universe ruling as sovereign. And number two, you must have man responsible for their actions and their faith and their belief. You must. Both of those are in scripture. And well, how do we work those out? And there are some solutions that man has come up with as they reason through the scriptures. But you absolutely have to have both of those things there. All right. And they live in tension a bit. And there's times where we don't understand it. That's when you declare Deuteronomy 29, 29 and say the mysteries of God are amazing. All right. But both of them are there and he's going to reflect on both of them in this statement. Uh, two aspects that go on a lot in the scriptures. Um, you see God uh, sovereignly moving and man responding. And you see it in both faith and in sanctification. Uh, being changed to be more like him. In fact, this is speaking to the sanctification process and uh, God's work and man's work in the midst of it. All right. And so let's walk through it here. He says, work out your own salvation. Okay. There is something that you have your own salvation and please work that out. Okay. And all too often we freak out when we hear it and we're like, work it out. Are you saying that if I don't do some action, I lose it and it's gone or or that maybe I never had it. And I, and what are you saying to me, man? And, and all of a sudden we start to hit the panic button that our entire doctrine is collapsed. So let me just say this. Uh, salvation is absolutely from Christ, mercy gift given to us, God pouring it out on us. And salvation is something given and not taken away. All right. Salvation is eternally secure. And uh, you got passages for that? Yeah, we got a lot of them, man. But uh, Romans 8. And, and whom God calls, he sanctifies and justifies, he glorifies. It's an absolute guarantee, a chain that does not get broken. 
or the end of Romans 8 where he says that we will not be separated from the love of Christ. In fact, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. Uh, That's an important piece to understand, all right? So salvation, it's something we uh, get through believing in him, through confessing him, through having faith in him. It's something that he's at work in us with at the same time. And it's not something that comes and goes as I act or don't act, okay? Very bad plan. We do not get salvation by works. We do not keep salvation by works. It is not by works. Can I be more clear than that? Okay. So let's make sure we got a nail. So work out your salvation. Uh, word picture. Uh, picture like this. There's a guy in the war and uh, hit a landmine, lost the, last, the bottom part of his leg. And he ends up getting a prosthetic fit for it so that he can walk. All right. And uh, they're fitting it and they're just getting it set. And as they get it set and checked, they're tap on his knee. The guy's kneeling down in front of him, taps on his knee and goes, all right. It's time to work out this prosthetic, right? Here we go. And he's like, grabs him by the collar. What are you saying? Are you saying that if I don't walk, you're going to take it away from me? Are, are you saying that if I... And he's like, no, man, this is yours. It's paid for. Insurance has got it covered. Everything is yours. Bought, sold, yours. You own it. Now I'm just going to have you use it and exercise it and celebrate in it. And let's take some steps. Here we go. All right. Work out your salvation. You have salvation if you've trusted in him, if you believe in him and confess him, yours, your own salvation. Now work that out. Let that salvation begin to grow in you and thrive in you and mature in you so that you are ever more looking more and more like Christ. Work out your salvation. This is a progressive growth to looking more like him. All right. That's what's being talked about here. And uh, it's a huge opportunity and privilege to work out our salvation. Um, You know, what does it look like to not work out my salvation? It looks like, okay, maybe I'm saved, but I'm still thinking a lot about me. And whatever's going to go good for me, thank you. And it's going to be pragmatic thinking. Not biblical thinking, which, by the way, there is no such thing as pragmatic that isn't biblical, but we like to think there is. Like somehow we've got the corner on reason and God missed it, right? And I'm going to live this way and it'll be better if, and, and we start living all in the moment, and that's what it looks like to miss it. Instead, it's, God, you're in charge. You've bought my soul At the cross of Calvary, I am nothing without you. I am everything with you. You're my Savior and my God. Okay. What next step do you want me to take? Working out your salvation right in front of them. All right? Why? Why would we do such a thing? Uh, Look at the next word. It says, work out your salvation um, with fear and trembling. With fear and trembling. Really? I like hearing the work out your salvation in like love and joy and peace and happiness and hope. What's this fear and trembling gig, man? That's sort of a negative motivator or something. And and let's just understand. Here's what he's saying. If you grasp salvation, then, then you're going to grasp his holiness and our lack of it. Right? 
You're going to grasp that you're standing in the presence of the almighty king of the universe who does not tolerate any sin. And he put that wrath upon Christ for your sin. And in the midst of that, you are humbled as you're on your knees saying, you did that for me? Why would I even begin to toy with any of that junk in my life that you had to go to the cross for with fear and trembling? Like I respect that that sin is a disease and it's taking me down and those around me and that it costs you everything at the cross with fear and trembling. I come before you, Lord. I grasp your holiness and I'm in awe. You know, all too often we miss this fear and trembling, working it out. And uh, I'll be honest, we, in America, it begins to become this. I need to know more. I need to have more revealed to me. I love learning and learning isn't bad. Don't get me wrong, but I love to know more. Why? I don't know. So I can pass a quiz on the street somewhere. I'm not actually going to act on it. I just want to know more. That is not working out your salvation with fear and trembling. All right. Uh, understanding more calls us to more action. Okay. And so let me just say it this way real clearly. This is a Matt Chandler statement. I love the statement this week. He said, absolutely true. Growing in him is inseparably tied to acting on the information you already have. Let that settle. Growing in him is inseparably tied to acting on the information you already have. And there's some piece of information God's given you. Step on it and act on it, man. He'll show more info. Don't worry. More is coming. I'm not saying you just live on that for life. More and more will be revealed. But don't ask for more when you won't step on what you got. Do you know what I'm saying? That's working out your salvation. And God, here's what I know. I'm going to step faithfully. And then he reveals a whole new aspect of him. And you're like, wow, I'll step on that for sure. Wow. And you just keep standing upon the promises and the hopes of who he is. Working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Acting on what you know and then longing to even know more because you can't wait for the progress of tomorrow. That's why we want to know more. Uh, if I don't long for the progress, then I long for the pride. It's going to be about me. If it isn't about me changing to be more like him humbly, it's going to be more about me just revealing how much I know. Yes, I'm all that. Here's what I know. And watch that pride. It'll eat you up. Uh, knowledge is terrible if it is not executed on. Have you noticed how applicational we are around here? There's, have you noticed how applicational we are around here? Thank you. There's a reason for that. We act on the information that's working out your salvation. All right. Okay. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Purpose statement for F-O-R. That means because. That means let me give you the reason why. Paul says, you guys have responsibility as man. Why? For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Hang on. So I'm supposed to work and act because God's already moving in me to work and act. What? And how does that work? And, and I can tell you this. I can give you the uh, sliver thin answer, uh, which is this. God is sovereign. And he is stirring in your heart and working with you. And he is moving and shaping and breathing in you. If you have trusted in him as savior, he is bringing you along a path. And it will affect your will 
and it will affect your actions. Sanctification is in the sovereign hands, God's uh, sovereign God's hand. That's what he's saying here, right? In his hand. And, and because it's in his hand and he's moving and working, hear me, please don't be the child where when you're given the line, you're like, maybe I want to stand on the other side. But instead, knowing where God's working, now move with him in cooperation and watch him knock down walls. Life change. All right? God at work and you at work. And both are true. And we better get that or we're missing it. And every moment we sit in the sorrow of our own muck and sin and say, woe is me, I can't get it done. Every pastor in the room says, you're right. You can't get it done. And we're good with that. That's what we call muscling it. And we don't go there, all right? So if you go too far to the man side of it, right? They call it pietism or legalism. It's me muscling the change in me. And I'm so pragmatic and practical. I'm so me forcing action in me that in fact, there's not a lot of heart for Christ and the glory of God's not pouring down and I'm not being transformed. I'm just trying to conform my image and it doesn't work. And it just seems to break down. We noticed six, seven, eight weeks max and you'll unwind. Uh, Not the pietism or legalism forcing myself to do it. Uh, Also not... I just sit here and bask in God and let him. It's just let go, let God. That's all it is. I just constantly, like, you changed me. Oh, he didn't change me today. I guess he just decided not to. And, uh, right? And that's called quietism, right? Like, shh, just sit here and be still. And uh, is there anything wrong with being still before God? No. Is there massive power in being still before God? Yes. And in fact, I probably prefer launching from this pad because as you're quiet before him and listening to him, he's going to tell you, will you get over there and act, man? And then you get over here and start doing some things and firing it up. And you're acting on what you know and what he shares. The two in tandem are the solution. It's not one or the other. It's both and. Clear enough? Clear enough? All right. Big deal. It gives us hope in the midst of any struggle because our God gives us the will and the ability and the action. It's hope in the midst because his power's unleashed in us. And every moment I'm struggling with something, Lord, teach me to let it go and teach me to hold it before you. And then teach me to act on what you call me to do that you might get the glory. It's both and. And anytime you make it other, you break it down. You do not lose it. You do work it out. You will be amazed how God shapes you as you go. What an awesome privilege to be in him with all we've got. All right. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Uh, And this helps us to be, remember, if we go back here now, it says uh, down a little bit in a crooked and twisted generation. That's this world among you shine as lights in the world. What does it look like if I, uh, if I decide to let God work, if I cooperate with him in a rather dark world? So I thought I'd give you an illustration of what it looks like to be a light in the world. All right? Dan the man, show us the world. How many people have Bible phones? <laughs> Is that hilarious? You're your own little light in the world, man. All right. Dark and twisted world. 
dark like this, not getting the light of Christ, not understanding who he is. And in the midst of it, you doing what you should do. And you become a light in the middle of the darkness. And this is you at your office. And this is you and your family. And this is you out on the street as you're laughing and joking and enjoying and being and doing because your God's doing in you. Be a light with all you've got. What an amazing privilege we have to be this. And when you decide not to, the world sees this. And God becomes a lot less unclear. This makes God clear. Be a light for him and all you've got. All right? Make your actions follow after him as you work out your salvation with all you've got. Okay, Dan the man. So question for you. Where's God calling you to be a light? Is it in your workplace? Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it's with extended family members or friends. Uh, Who's God calling you to live it out where your actions are lived out in a way that the salvation's on fire in you and they know it's from Jesus Christ? Uh, Don't assume that words aren't going to be needed. They will be. In due time, you can figure that out. It doesn't need to be the first thing, but it's going to need to come. An explanation of why you're going the way you're going, okay? But watch God work. So my question to you is where first? Get it settled. Where's God calling you to be that light? Okay? And now, what's it look like for you to take the next step in working out your salvation? What information has he revealed to you where you know you should be taking that step and you're not? There's something you feel like you should be doing. There's something gnawing at you in the inside. The Holy Spirit's prompting and stirring. And you're like, I'm not going to do it. And now you're sitting here this morning going, oh, okay, maybe I got something to look at. What's that thing you're going after where God's going to work out the salvation he's given to you so rich and freely that he's going to give you will and skill to be able to go after it. Let God have his way with you as you be a light in this world. All right. Awesome privilege to work with them. So that's number one. Number two, uh, be a light by being blameless in attitude. Be a light by being blameless in attitude. Notice he says, do all things. How many things? Yeah, do all things, not some things, not most things, not all spiritual things, not do all things at church, do all things. Everywhere, all the time, this is the plan. Without grumbling or questioning. And every parent says, yeah. Right? And uh, so this is a big deal. And it starts in our homes, families. Teach it in your home. And it'll bleed outward from there. All right? And so let's start with it, moms and dads. By us not grumbling and complaining. Because they hear the examples. And they want to be a grown-up. And you're their example. And so I say this to all leaders. If you're hearing a lot of grumbling and complaining under you, maybe you're a grumbling and complaining person. Hurts. And uh, we got to work with it. Remember I said maybe. So I don't need emails this week. (laughs) 
It's a possibility you got it down and the sin is just running rampant below you. But hear me, models are followed. And so be careful with that. All right. Uh, So what is grumbling? What is questioning or disputing or complaining? Whatever your translation says. Uh, Well, let's put it this way. Grumbling. I talking behind somebody's back without the goal of fixing it. That's one piece talking behind their back without the goal of fixing it. Grumbling. Uh, Another grumbling. It's gossip with a purpose. The purpose is to win people to your upsetness. That's grumbling. I'm not happy and I need a party about it. I need other people to agree with me that it's bad because then I feel better about me. And so come in and get upset with me. And that's grumbling. And be careful. It's insidious. It's contagious. It hurts. It will take you down. It will take down those around you. Grumbling. It is not to be tolerated. Wow. Seems like a small one in the world, you know? When we look at the world and we think of all the big actions we speak to that are wrong and negative, the attitude is what he's getting at here, right? And so by being blameless in attitude, point number two, grumbling and complaining, grumbling and questioning. I just wrote this, contagious, negative, destructive. Uh, It is a model that is easily followed. And I can't tell you how often we get into it. Uh, So at your workplace, your boss doesn't understand what he's doing and he's making a ridiculous decision. And uh, remember Romans 13, God has placed every leader in charge. And so God knows what he's doing and hang on. And it doesn't mean you just let it go wrong. We'll handle that in just a second. It doesn't mean you have nothing to say or that you don't come in the right way, but you don't go behind the back and you don't speak ill of leadership trying to tear it down and pull it away. That's not the plan. Okay, the plan is, if there is a sin that's going on, if there is something that needs to be confronted, it is going to that person face-to-face, gently and respectfully, Galatians 6.1, and having the walkthrough of what it looks like. Here's what I see. Remember, if you're talking to an authority figure, you're sharing an opinion (laughs) with a leader, and you're not trying to tear them down and become leader. All too often in our defensiveness, we start acting like we're a leader we're not. Do you know what I'm saying? We get a little more authoritative than we should because we feel really uncomfortable with the moment and we start bringing it. And, and, and then we start bringing some real hurt and wounds. And now the thing that gets addressed is, I don't like your attitude in this, right? And, and you need to go, oh, got busted. Because the attitude will kill you. It unwinds the truth. And it doesn't even let you get to the truth. Because it shows that your heart's off and they're wondering what else is untrue then. All right? So be careful if you're going to go with people and go to people. But it does need to happen. And uh, so my wife and I were talking about this this week and she brought up a great example too. Uh, This doesn't mean, God isn't saying, so if something isn't going the way you like, eat it. Just be quiet and I don't want to hear about it. Like that's not what God says. In fact, he says quite the opposite. He says, casting all your anxieties on me, right? But casting your anxiety on is not a spiritual word for grumbling to Christ. It's not, Lord, I can't believe what an idiot my boss is. Can you please change him? He's such a punk. He doesn't even get what he's doing with 
And why would he, and what are you even thinking? And that's not prayer. That's accusation. Okay? Grumbling to Christ is not praying. Humbly offering up sacrificial anxiety cast upon. Like, please forgive me, Lord, if I've got a wrong attitude in this and you're in charge. And I don't know what you're doing, but I'm trusting you. And I'm longing for you to have your way in my soul. So what do I need to see? And then are you calling me to confront into this at all? And I will. And if your boss or your leadership says we're not responding and you've kind of worked it through with upper leadership, quite frankly, at that point, you have to be a little careful in a workplace environment. You've probably gone as far as you can go to continue to hard drive into and up can be dangerous um, because you're beginning to say, I'll take it into my own hands. Now, if there's illegalities and stuff, different statement, you've got a higher authority than just the boss above you. Okay. But if it's opinion, I don't think we should have sent out that marketing brochure. I think we should have sent out this marketing brochure. You best be careful on that stuff. Subjective calls are in the leader's hands. Okay, you can share things out, but be careful. Now, when it comes to doing something wrong, you're allowed to say, no, thank you. I serve a God who's holy and I'm going to follow him. That's where I stand. Okay, very biblical. Does that make sense? Are we couching this well enough? This isn't a one-sided message. Just be quiet. Let's move on. It's not that. You have the right to speak. You have the right when to speak. You have the right to bring it to God and lay it at his feet every day. You have the right to live humbly in it and patiently in it and give it to him constantly and watch God work. I'm telling you this. I'm not going to go into any detail, but our family sat under some things for a couple of three, four years that did not make any sense to us. And our job was not to grumble. Our job was to be working through some things and seeing what God had in store. And it's amazing what he's unfolded with us being able to move into ministry and, and being a senior pastor coming out of those pressures that made no sense. It's been really cool to see God work. But we did not buck the system. We worked under it and handed it back to him. Uh, sounds like it'll hurt, Tim. It might at times. Call us if we need to talk. All right. Let's work it through. Talk to your impact group leaders if you need to talk. And let's, let's rally together as a body and pray for one another. You're not alone in this. And we together will go through this together. But God will be glorified. Amen? That's what it looks like. Showing him off with all we've got. All right. Now he gives us a great word picture here. He says, That you may be blameless and innocent, Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. What a great metaphor. You're like blameless and innocent children. It's beautiful. And uh, just picture a black and white movie going on. And it's kind of dingy and old and you see the lines running through it as it runs by, right? It's all black and white. And in walks the main character in color. That's you. You're the color version of what's going on in black and white all over the place. And you get to be blameless and innocent before a world who doesn't get him. All they can say is there's something different about that image. There's color and there isn't over here. And I don't get that. What do you have? And uh, that's what it looks like to live with attitude and action in a way that puts you in a color version in black and white. That puts you as a light in the middle of blackness that God might be glorified. All right. How do I do it? Well, it gives us some answers right here with the ING. Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain and labor in vain. I love how honest Paul is. 
Like, dude, don't tell me I'm in prison for nothing. Right? It's legit to be able to have those thoughts run through your mind as a human being. And Paul's being real. I want to know this was working out. And, and it make me excited to see you growing in him. Okay? And how do you do it? Holding fast to the word of truth. Holding fast to his scripture, not letting go of God's word, pouring into God's word, letting him teach you what you need to know and taking those necessary steps on it. Move on the information he gives and watch God work mightily in your life, holding fast to the word of truth. He says then, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. Wow. That's some tough words. He said, listen, I might actually be sacrificed, uh, but if it means your faith, and if it means all of us together being closer to Christ in it, I'm in, and I'll celebrate that. He says, likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Uh, Let's celebrate. All too often, we come before a communion time, and we think of our sin, small me, and then we go, woe is me. How about small me and I'm done thinking about that? Big God, amazing King, almighty Savior, light of the world, Redeemer, fortress, Savior. That's my God. He did that for me. Then in the midst of this dark world, I will not toy with sin. I'm done with it. And may your salvation be worked out in my life, Lord. What do you need done that you are shown off and I am made small. I'm good with it. I'll bring it to be Lord. May that be glory in being poured out as a drink offering for him. And you will be a light like you could not imagine. The greatest light is not the greatest knowledge. The greatest light is the greatest humility. I'm telling you, you humble before God almighty will draw attention. It will rock souls and you're going to be stunned at the privilege you have of sharing him. That's what it looks like to make sure your God is exalted in your life. So let's just put it all together. Okay. Four steps. Number one, how do I do this thing called being a light? Number one, humble confession. We started with it during communion time. It's uh, I will admit where I'm wrong. Hey, if you have a problem admitting where you're wrong to people, Pride is rearing its head. If you have a problem admitting you're wrong to God, yikes, that pride is big. Okay, watch yourself. Humble confession. Lord, I'm willing to see where I'm wrong. Um, If you have a problem seeing where you're wrong, ask the person next to you. All right, don't do that. Yeah. Number two, deep thankfulness and praise. Uh, The response after confession is not more groveling. It's thankful for who he is. It's breathing it in. If you notice those first two steps are exhale, inhale, the constant breathing, the celebrating him. You will be amazed how purifying and awakening it is to get it clean before him and thank him for how great he is. All right. First two steps. Then step three, power time in the word. He said, hanging fast, holding fast. It's like Tight grip, won't let go. Nothing is going to peel my fingers away. Time in the word. Power time. I'm talking like when you get done, you're not done just checking the box. You're writing down a word or a phrase or a thought that has rocked your soul that day. Like, Lord, 
in this verse, I don't care if it's one verse. I don't care if it's one sentence. I don't care if it's one paragraph. I don't care how much. I care how you were impacted. You hear me? It's not about knowledge or amount you got through. It's about did God stir you? And sometimes it can be one word and you're done. Great. Sometimes it can be a whole chapter and you found something in it that's just challenging you that day. Great. But every day it's, Lord, show me a piece of you that I might respond to you. All right. Holding fast to his word. And then engage in that daily battle. Prayerfully. Engage in that daily battle prayerfully. Uh, Okay, Lord, where? What? Who? How? What do you need done? Deep breath. You're going to take a lot more hits well when you've been through these steps. Okay? So uh, I hear the word devotions, and I'm good with all that. We've heard those words from the past. I, I, I get it. Just be careful because those words have put a thought in your mind, and you have an image and a set of feelings that go with them. So get a new name. Start fresh. Like it's time for power time with my God. Rock me, Lord. It's time to hold fast. There's a good one. Like I'm doing some holding fast time. And uh, you're not going to just chintzy read through with the word hold fast, right? Whatever it is you need to come up with, it's time for a new name. And it's time to reset and get fired up on being fired up about your God who's worth being fired up about. Amen? Working out our salvation, being a light that our God can be glorified with all we've got. He deserves to be exalted here and now and for all eternity. And all God's people said, let's pray.